This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome into Poke the Bear episode 58, the Erho Vakanainen episode. There are only three players ever to wear the number 58. I looked it up before, so we didn't have to do like last time with 57 where we were scrambling last minute to look it up. And check uh, hockey I'm, reference. Yes. A hockey reference is great for that, by the way. They have all the players that listen. I actually looked ahead, so I have some people in the in the back pocket for upcoming episodes. Good. We're getting into those weird Good. numbers. Um, but I'm Evan Maronofsky alongside Connor Ryan. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we will open the show with a the sad news, obviously, of Jimmy Hayes' passing uh, that dropped Monday morning, unfortunately. Uh, it came after Bruins Beat. For, so for those wondering why that wasn't touched on Bruins Beat, it happened or it got released right after we recorded. Um, but just awful news, horrendous news. Um, one of the saddest stories, I think, it, locally we've had here in a long time. Um, just given what he meant to Boston, especially Dorchester. I mean, a lot of people articulated it well. He lived the dream of every kid, you know, plays in Dorchester, plays at BC, wins the national championship, plays for the Bruins. Um, it's just awful, just absolutely um, awful. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on the whole thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you've more or less echoing what, what you've said in terms of it just being an absolute uh, tragedy. I mean, for, I think what we've seen the last couple of days in terms of the outpouring of, you know, uh, you know, grief and, you know, the discussions of just who, you know, Jimmy was and, you know, how he kind of carried himself, uh, from, you know, growing up in Boston, even though I wasn't, didn't really know, know him all that well. Um, you know about that whole family and just how connected they are and how rooted they, they are in the hockey community and uh, whether it be, you know, guys who play with him or people who just knew the family and knew him growing up, uh, you couldn't, you know, hear a single bad word ever said about him, just the way he carried himself and, you know, his, you know, happy-go-lucky attitude and always trying to, you know, focus on the positives. And you know, even when he played here, obviously, it didn't work out that way. And I'm sure he got a whole bunch of, you know, flack during those times. And it's tough being a local guy playing under that pressure. But, uh, you know, I think Ty Anderson had a very good call about it, talking about, Jimmy during a time and how he still, you know, kept a positive mindset and more or less said, you know, I'm still, as you said, Evan, like he's, he's living the dream. And it's, I think that means a lot to people in the neighborhood because I think everyone grows up, you know, hoping to be a, a hockey player. Hopefully you get to play for your hometown team and he got to live that. And it's one thing to do that, but also another thing. And I think it says a lot about him as a, a person to embrace that and be so, you know, generous and and open and you know you know you hear all the stories about him you know either being at Erie Pub or he'd be at you know other places all over the place he'd be stopping over at the rink over on Morrissey you know meeting kids um you know it takes a, a special person to you know one live that dream but also to carry the whole neighborhood the whole city along with you uh with the opportunity that you've kind of made for yourself so um 
yeah, it's for, you know, the entire hockey community in Boston. Um, it's just uh, an absolute tragedy. And so, I mean, we're sending our, our best, you know, our, our thoughts and prayers to him and his family, uh, you know, his wife and his, his two very young, young sons, um, his whole family. I mean, it's, it, it's tough to put into words just how, how tough of a loss it is for a, a guy that, you know, lived the dream and as again, brought, everyone along that journey with him, which, you know, I think is a, a special thing to do. And I, I also think another thing that's so telling about him is, you know, the tributes that have come out have almost not said much about his hockey career. Yeah. It's more how great a teammate he was, how he was yes. an amazing off ice presence. He was a big brother to a lot of people and he made people feel good. And he was a fun guy to be around at the rink. And I think that says everything about, who he is because he had an incredible hockey career. Anyone who makes it to the NHL, by the way, is having an incredible hockey career. Um, you don't exactly. need to be, you know, uh, Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin to have an incredible hockey career. I mean, he won a national championship for, you know, his hometown college. He played for the, his hometown NHL team. Like I think Jamie Walsh said it. He was the only one kid from Dorchester to ever play for the Bruins or something. Um, mm-hmm. But just given his impact, on the people around him. And that's what you heard. And, and I'm so happy to hear and see the stories that have come out and the videos. Um, and there'll be more tributes and it's just, it's so sad. It's so freaking sad. Um, and it, it's, you know, it, just a stunning loss. Awful, awful, awful. And as, as you said, thoughts and prayers to the Hayes family, because right now is um, an incredibly tough time for them. Um, but his memory lives on and, you know, we will always have incredible memories of what he did for, as you said, Boston, Dorchester, the NHL as a whole, BC. Um, so, um, again, thoughts and prayers uh, to the Hayes family at this difficult time. Uh, moving on, Tuka Rask spoke with the Greg Hill Morning Show. WEI does their uh, Jimmy Fun Radio Telephone every year. It's a great thing. You should donate. Um, but he had some, he he actually had an interesting interview. A lot of sometimes these interviews that are on the radio or like at these telethons, you, you don't get much out of. But I was actually in the car on the way to the gym because, you know, sick, dude. I, uh, I, work out. I work, I work out, bro, bro. I work out. Anyways, yeah. I was on the Thank way you to for the clarifying. gym. Yes, I was on the way to the gym. It's Planet Fitness, by the way. So I don't think that really counts. Um, <laughs> that counts Still the gym. gym. Still the gym. <laughs> um, luckily, they're not a sponsor. Maybe if they want to be a sponsor, then I'll, you know, then, then I'll help out. Um, but uh, Tuka Rask has some interesting comments. Uh, he said one, he said, quote, I have no reason to chase the money anymore and go somewhere else. I feel the Bruins are my home. Boston is my home. The money won't be an issue. And he continued to talk about how he was, he was going to be cheap. He didn't know, you know, and my main takeaway from the whole thing was he is fully expecting to be back with the Bruins. Cause he was even talking about how, um, that they asked him, you know, will you watch the games that you're not playing in? And he said something like, you know, it'll be tough, but knowing that I'll be out there midway through the season, I probably will watch them. Um, so it's interesting. He's, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be in section 307. Like he's just going to have like his set seat. <laughs> got season tickets. They, they would need to, they would need to put like security guards around him. Cause you know, most of the balcony uh, people are not exactly probably huge fans of Tuca. Um, of but my main takeaway from the whole thing after listening to it was he thinks he's coming back. He is. And, and not just for next year, but for the years after. And I, I, I was sitting there thinking, how's that going to work? Mm. How, how is that going to work? Yeah, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how it works out. And it's tough to kind of like map it out right now. Like I, I wrote something 
on uh, Tuesday because Bruce Cassidy was on the w, the WEI radio telephone as well. And more or less kind of echoed the same thing of, you know, what we all know at this point of, you know, it's going to be Omar and Swayman and then Rask is a wild card. And if he's healthy and he's back, then he's back. And it's tough to like map that out because I think everyone's right away. It's like, I'm done with Rask. It's done. Like we're done. Yeah. We already got it. But, you know, we'll see what happens when we get to, I think Rask said he'd be, potentially back by like December, if not early January. I mean, we'll see what happens if you get to January and Omar's got like a 907 save percentage and he's, he's struggling in his first like legit, you know, he's a veteran guy, but this is, it's a big jump from being on the Buffalo Sabres to being potentially one guy in Boston. Um, And, you know, if we get to that point in Jeremy Swayman's, you know, going through the expected, you know, ups and downs that, you know, I, I would love to say that Jeremy Swayman's going to be the over on it, contending for a Vesna or a Calder this year, but you never know what happened. People thought Carter Hart was going to take a huge step forward. And what do you know? These teams are good. Like they get the book on you and they know how to expose kind of your weaknesses and it's on the goalie to adjust and develop their game. So if we get to January and those two guys are struggling, those same fans are probably like, Oh, I'm done with Rask. Could probably very well be like, well, or if he's signing for like, $750,000, like he's signing for a league minimum $1 million deal. Why not? Right. So it, it's tough to map out like the entire season when, you know, there's so many variable variables in play, especially with goaltending in general, right. You know, it's the Bruins had a luxury of having a guy like Rask who all been considered is pretty consistent in terms of what, you know, you're going to get, like you've got two guys in, in Omar who I think they're very high on, who I think they, they believe is going to perform very well. And I expect him to play pretty well. You got a guy in Swayman who was unconscious for his 10 game stretch last year. and was fantastic and kind of has changed the entire perception of the future of the Bruins goaltending situation. So it's a good problem to have, but um, yeah, I mean, even before Raz said like, you know, that he wasn't, no money wasn't an issue. That's what I more or less figured. You know, I don't think there was people were talking about how they don't have cap space to take him. I think the last few years have shown you, you can make cap space if you want to. It's not yes. something you're going to fret about. It's all about just reps and who gets used if it's a three-man rotation. And you don't see it that often. And, you know, I'm trying to think of other times before, like the Rangers obviously did it with, they had like that weird year where it was like Lundqvist and Georgiev and Shesterkin. So, but still, three is a lot, especially if you're trying to like split those reps evenly. Because at that point, all right. Let's say all let's say Omar and Swayman are both playing well. You add Rask to the equation. You're gonna send Swayman down for doing well. Like you got to get Rask his reps because he's missed the entire year. He's coming off of hip surgery. But you know, it, there's so many things that are in play for it. So I think for the Bruins, though, it's a good problem to have right now. In that, for you know, it's a situation that 90 percent of the NHL is probably envious of, right? Because of the, the way their goaltending situation is. Like, oh, you got to twist my arm now. I do we sign Tuka Rask, like the guy who's one of Vesna for cheap, or do we keep these two guys who look like the future of our, our organization in that? Like, it's a good problem to have. One thing Rask is continuously stressed also is wanting to help out the younger guys. Like, that's something, you know, you said it um, Wednesday again, was helping out uh, Jeremy Swayman and helping out uh, different, you know, the goalies, helping out the younger goalies. And Olmark, I think, would fall under that as well. And I just, I, I wonder if it's also kind of, you know, you come on as sort of a, a coaching role, you know, as well as playing, obviously. I'm not saying he's like a, an actual coach, but as a mentor to those guys. Um, 
And yeah, I don't, I don't know. And this is something I think that we're not going to know the answer to until the season happens and until we see right. how Swayman and Olmark are playing. I mean, again, if it comes down to December and Olmark's not playing well, Swayman's playing really well, you know that, you know what's probably going to happen. Rascal's kind of step in for Olmark. But if they're both playing well, um, then you have a decision to make and that's going to be tough because, you know, <laughs> you know that they'll end up playing really, really, really well. And then somehow in March, they'll both kind of like fall off after they don't sign Rask. So that'll be something to watch. I'd say it's a safe bet to bet that Rask might be back. Uh, but there is a safer bet in town, and that's our good friends over at Bet Online. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The Red Sox are playing, kind of. They still kind of suck. Patriots training camp is here, and soon the Bruins and Celtics will be back. And even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's C-L-N-S-50, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan... Uh, even out here in Denver, people are going up to me. And I'm like, I don't even know who you are. They they they, they just tell me that no yeah, one beats that. That's crazy. That is that it's, is it's wild. I don't even know how they know they know who I am. They just they they see me. They see they must know I'm affiliated with Bet Online. They just tell me these things. They know. They know. They know. It's nobody beats that. So, so what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50. That's CL. NS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Go there now. Um, all right. So we're going to play a game called two breakout candidates for this upcoming year and two, <laughs> p- two candidates take a step back. <laughs> this is exciting. So it's, game. A, it's, a, it's a real catchy name. <laughs> yeah. This is, this very, is original. Very, very blunt and to the point. <laughs> yeah. Very creative. Um, but Connor, you will do the two breakout candidates. And I will do be in charge of crushing people's dreams with the two uh, candidates who take a step back. So I will let you start. Do you want? Do we want to do one, then one, then one, one, then one, one. or do we want to do two and two? What do you want to do? We'll switch off. Okay. All right. So if I, I'm going first, um, I think the one guy who could be a breakout candidate who I think the Bruins are hoping for is uh, Linus Olmark. Um, I think uh-huh. you don't sign that guy to. Uh, a four-year, you know, $20 million contract if you don't think that he's got a lot more to give. And I think it's easy to draw the comparables between him and a guy like Yaroslav Halak, who, when the Bruins signed him, uh, you know, to that deal, uh, you looked at the baseline numbers, you're like, all right, is this guy washed? He's already kind of an older veteran guy. Like, what does this guy have? But you look closer into the numbers, and that was before Barry Trotz was with the Islanders. That was back when they had, like, a sieve of a defense in New York. So, uh, the fact that his numbers were all right with that defense in front of him kind of more or less painted the picture that, you know, Halak is still a very capable goalie, especially he's got a better defense in front of him. What do you know? He looked pretty good here. So if you're, you know, getting a guy like Olmark who played in front of the friggin' Sabres and had like a 917 save percentage <laughs> last year, that's pretty impressive. I mean, you look at there's some flaws they have to work in his game. Obviously, you know, I think his like PK save percentage is like pretty low, which is a little bit concerning. So they have to work on that. But I mean, you look at his five on five save percentage last year, I think it was like 937, which I think is higher than like 
Vasilevsky, Flurry, Carey Price, all these kind of established guys. So moving to a, a system in, in Boston where the defensive structure is a lot better. I mean, they were fourth in the league in goals against. So much people say last year's defense was bad. And they're, you know, you can still make the argument of whether or not they've got the personnel to handle kind of a playoff run. Um, they still do a good job of, you know, pushing the puck out of danger areas, you know, moving the puck out um, and, and getting on the move. So I think Olmark's a guy who can definitely break out. And again, it's a good problem to have if you're the Bruins and Olmark is thriving under a better defensive structure in front of him. So I, I agree with you. Um, so my one step back candidate, and I, my real step back candidate is up next, but just on the topic of goaltending. And this kind of feels like a cop out might be Swayman. And that's only because how the hell do you maintain a 1.5 goals against average and a 945 save percentage for the entire year? So maybe that's a cop out by me, but at the same time, you, I don't know if that's possible. Um, now I still think he's going to be really good this year, but I don't think you're going to see him put up those numbers over. 40 something games. I, I just don't think you will. Um, could be wrong. Could be totally wrong. But I do think at the end of the day, it's going to be very hard to maintain those numbers. Not saying anyone's expecting him to, but that is a, a, a step back. But again, maybe you could make the argument that over a 40, let's say he plays, you know, 45 games this year and he has a goals against average of, you know, 2.2 or 2.3. That's really freaking good. <laughs> so maybe that's not a step back, but it technically is from his numbers this past year. My next. Uh, step back in it by the way people are gonna hate just saying that good um well you know if we're talking about my next you know bounce back candidate you know on the show i think i I just want to say evan i think you've gotten a a bad rap at some points for some predictions where that have not panned out well you get panned for yeah i'm gonna join you man i'm I'm gonna join you and say that i think jake debrusque has a nice bounce back season i'm not gonna say that he's scoring the most (laughs) goals on the team not going there but I think when you just look at, you know, the, the fact that he should benefit from, you know, it seems like the Bruins are committed to keeping him on the left side, which is what they honestly should have done all of last year in terms of maximizing kind of the the production you're going to get out of a guy like that. Um, you add, you know, two guys who could be pretty solid in a third line role um, and just see what Felino brings, but especially Howla. I think Howla is a guy who could very well be a bit of a surprise in terms of being a, a guy that could get you 15, 20 goals can drive play down the middle. Um, we'll see how he, you know, those guys compliment the Those guys could be, you know, you know, could struggle to find chemistry over the first few weeks. And all of a sudden we're back at square one, but I think you look at the and the, the urgency for them in terms of getting him on track, the urgency for him in terms of getting a new contract next year, either with the Bruins or somewhere else, um, the clean slate, you know, in the post COVID, hopefully post COVID, environment the NHL players are in and again I'm not looking for 30 30 35 goals from him but if he gets back to being a 20 goal scorer and kind of consistently brings that effort uh one to be a welcome site for the Bruins in terms of getting a legit scorer and a secondary scoring role but I I could see you know DeBrusque having a, a nice bounce back here which would be great for all parties involved I thought you were gonna say Charlie Coyle that's what I thought your answer was gonna be um so I agree. I think DeBrusque is uh, probably going to have a step forward kind of year. My pick, my second pick, I was thinking about Taylor Hall because he wouldn't have David Krejci, so his numbers might not be as good. Um, But there was one player who, given his age, I can't help but say is due for some sort of a step back year. And I'm sorry, 
It's Patrice Bergeron. I know. I know. People going to flip out. I get it. I absolutely get you're, it. You're, you're an agent of chaos, Evan. I, I'm stepping on some toes here, but I do think he's 36. He's 36. Now, I do think he'll still produce fine in between Pasternak and Marchand, but I do wonder if we see a little bit of a decline or you know, maybe a little bit slower. Something, given his age. Again, he's getting older. This happens. It's going to happen at some point. Um, so that is someone that I do look at as a potential step back candidate this year. Um, I don't think, you know, he'll be worse in the dot or, uh, worse defensively. I just wonder how his production is, you know, um, again, he's been in that bumper for a long time. So you do wonder if teams have an easier time shutting that down and you just, there are some things there that you wonder if he can continue. I'm not saying he won't. I'm just saying that I wouldn't be surprised if he took a step back this year. Yes. I'm saving myself with that last sentence. There you go. Smart. Yeah. Got to keep that. But those are our two breakout and two step back candidates. Again, I was thinking about Taylor Hall, but I was also like, no, you know, I, I don't know. You know, he's got the ages on his side. He's a new contract. You know, he's still got Craig Smith on the right. He'll still be on the power play. So, um, but yeah, Bergeron, Swayman, and then um, Olmark and, uh, and DeBrusque. So those are our picks. It would have been easy for if Nick Ritchie was still on the team. That would have been the easiest. Like, oh, Nick oh of Ritchie course. Step back. Absolutely. <laughs> That's like the easiest one to map out. I was going to say, that, would, that, would, that was my answer if, if he was still here. I do wonder uh, though, what he's like in Toronto. I cannot wait to see him. In I mean, I'm sure the Toronto media thinks he's going to be scoring 30 goals. So, oh, 100%. and Kasha's going to be healthy. Guaranteed, Nick Ritchie puts in like four goals in the first two games, all kind of just net front tap-ins or, mm-hmm. you know, slams home a rebound. And you're going to see like, oh, they, they found a diamond in the rough with Nick Ritchie. Yeah. Um, can't wait for that. Can't wait for that. Like, Gal- there was- like Galchenyuk. Remember they redeemed Galchenyuk? Yes, I remember that. That was the big thing up there. But also, in fairness, like a lot of fans proclaimed Nick Ritchie, you know, like God after his hot start because he was leading the Bruins and goals like a little bit. People were like, oh, oh, this is the the first round pick, Nick Ritchie. So interested to see how he does up in Toronto. But that is today's episode of Poke the Bear, episode 58. Uh, Connor, before we head out, what can the people look forward to over at Boston Sports Journal? Yeah, we're going to be rolling out uh, prospect rankings this week. So we're doing a top 15 uh, look at the top prospects in the Bruins system, which, again, they may not be the as loaded as the Kings or the Ducks in terms of their you know top flight prospects, but got a few pretty intriguing guys coming through the system now, a few guys added to the mix. So do our annual review of that. And then uh, coming days after that, we'll start looking at some more lineup questions, whether that's, you know, where... Derek Fulbert fits in the lineup or, you know, the situation in that, all that good stuff. So all that will be over at BSJ. So subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do that. Derek Forbert would have been a good breakout candidate, just given mm-hmm. that he's never had those uh, top line minutes. Anyways, that is episode 58 of Poke the Bear. Connor Ryan, Evan Marinovsky, Poke the Bear listeners. Have a great rest every day. Yeah.